And that just seems like the best place for him of all the jobs that are available right now, where even even in with it being the case that the last thing you want to do for your own sake and for the for the sake of Jim Harbaugh's success is giving him too much power right away, you're still going into a place where he can establish... If, if there, There's a lot of things that you can say about Jim Harbaugh, but one thing that would lead an NFL team to hire him. It was a long, it was a long time ago. The NFL has changed. It's not the, it, there's a lot that's different in the NFL since he took San Francisco to the Super Bowl, but he was also kind of at the forefront then of some of what we're seeing now in the NFL with the, with the way that he ran that San Francisco team. But one of the things that's so clear and evident about Jim Harbaugh, even when he wasn't winning the games at Michigan, that he was hired to do in years past. That all gets erased now with the national championship. But I just get really strong teacher leadership vibes off of him and really just establishing something in a a franchise that's just lost right now. Like It's the same thing with Antonio Pierce in, in Las Vegas. It doesn't always have to be the smartest X's and O's guy who walks into the room thinking he's the smartest person in the room. You need the guy who's going to defer to other people, who's going to make this a whole team effort, get good assistance around him, but there are those teams where you you want to prioritize some of the intangibles, some of the non-directly football-related attributes more than others, and the Raiders are one of those teams, which is why I think it was a great hire to keep Antonio Pierce, and why I think Jim Harbaugh is going to do just fine as an NFL head coach, and the Chargers would be a place to that to try to gain some respect again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing that they need. They need to gain respect again because just when they start getting respect, they kind of go backwards last, same old Chargers. But they're in a spot where they've got a nice stadium. They've got a decent uh, fan base. It's kind of ripe for the pickings to build. Uh, It'll take the right coach. It'll take the right team. It'll take the right winning and losing combination to bring a lot more fans that are actually Charger fans to that stadium. But it can be done. Uh, They were a big-time hit in San Diego, and it's just a matter of once they well, moved, they weren't very good. Well, they were huge in San Diego for many years. and then, Not at the end. They, not at the end. They moved, and nobody wanted them. And now they're in L.A. where nobody wanted them, but they're in a town where they normally don't want teams they don't want. So they got to build that team up to where it used to be or as close to a you know, facsimile to what it used to be and see if they can get the fan base in. Because the fan base, if you can get that built, it's a football town where it'll follow you. But they were kind of force-fed the San Diego Chargers in L.A., and of now Anaheim. it's and now of Carson, oh, but uh, the, the Ram the well, the Rams used to be of Anaheim after they moved uh, mistakenly from the LA Coliseum, and the fans never for, forgave them for that, and then they end up tanking, literally, moved to St. Louis, win a Super Bowl, no one wanted them in LA, and then they come back, and slowly but surely that franchise has become LA's again. But it, it took a championship to kind of make uh, people feel better about them. But there was still a lot of animosity about the Rams. But the Chargers, it's more like, we don't want the Chargers. 
We didn't want the Clippers. How come we get San Diego's dregs? And, you know, the Clippers slowly but surely built themselves into something. They got to the cusp of where they were good and to the next level. And then we've talked about it many times in the past. Uh, they, they, they've gone backwards. And now the Chargers are trying to do the same thing. But now I, the- think Har- I think Harbaugh might be the right coach for the situation. Bottom line, after the long-winded explanation. Now the Clippers are going to be known for having the mecca of bathrooms. Nobody's going to have nicer bathrooms in their arena than the Los Angeles Clippers at whatever it is they're going to call it after they move out of. Who ever thought that the Clippers would get their own arena? It was talked about for years. I remember With the nicest you can, bathrooms and sports. Well, you can you can play the uh, the old time music. Back when I covered the Clippers, uh, a guy by the name of Donald Sterling, and I've said this before, would come and have dinner with us. You know, at certain tables, but they were right next to each other. So even if he wasn't at your table, you were still part of the conversation. And one time after one of these uh, pregame meals in the media lounge, I go up to. Mr. Sterling, if you will, and I say, how come you're not, this is back when the Anaheim Mighty Ducks moved into their building in Anaheim. Why don't you move the team there from the LA Sports Arena, which was at that time, it was modern back in the day, but when they were playing in it, it was a trash heap. And he looks at me and he says, I don't need that money. I don't need that. I don't need that money. And the whole plan all along was to build a building. And I think his plan was actually to be the main owner of Staples Center. Now, you know, Crypto.com Arena. But I think the original plan was if he was still part of the league, he wanted to be the main owner. And that didn't happen. The home of the Um, in-season tournament championship banner. (laughs) Exactly. But, I mean, he ended up being the, uh, you know, the half... uh, the uh, glass is half full playing in the same building, but I never thought that I'd actually see it come to fruition, that they're actually going to get the arena that they've been talking about since about 1990. The, the, t- the kind of tangent that you can only get here in our beloved, coveted 6 o'clock hour of Team Talk, getting back to Jim Harbaugh, where the timing might be right on this, and it's a luxury that not every team has but you are in a spot right now with the clip with, with, with the Clippers. You, now you got me on that tangent too. <laughs> I'm just blaming you for everything today. I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> but you're in this place as a team now where where Patrick Mahomes is still running that division, and he's gonna be still running that division for some time. You're you're fighting for relevance, really, with the other with the Broncos and the Raiders, and you're kind of just fighting for for second place. But there there are just some teams in the NFL where there's more patience, there's more time for something like this. And I don't even think it's necessarily taking a chance on a guy like Jim Harbaugh, but you do have a little bit more room to do that and give him time to get back into coaching in the NFL and back to building this team the way that he wants. Because for somebody that that stepped away from the NFL for a little while... I just look at him as a guy that's got everything that you want in a head coach to build a team back up to relevance where that's not the case with every team that's looking for coaches right now, i.e. our favorite team with the with our favorite postgame show in the NFL. 
Talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. No news there today as far as Nick Sirianni goes. At this point, it seems like Nick Sirianni is going to be the head coach of the Eagles in 2024. Because, because it wasn't even just that they were losing games, but this is where I think we're, we're starting to see a shift now in the way that teams are approaching how they go after and who they want for head coaches. I mean, the NFL has adapted to every generational change and, and element going back to from when I could play the old-timey music of the of the Los Angeles Rams and the Raiders. Hey, that's my music, Sam. Excuse you. That is my music, and you do not tell me when to play it. I play it because okay, the button is over right. here. But You're right. You're any, the button any, master. Anything that's ever gone, any of these changes, any of these developments – Throughout the years in the NFL, throughout the <laughs> generations of position groups that are more important now than they were at one time, or vice versa, defensive ends now being called edge rushers. I mean, you can go on. The NFL has has, has adapted over time, and, and I think what we're seeing now in the NFL is we're done with the age of the retreads. We're, we're going to a different place where there are different priorities in what you want as a head coach, where Josh, McDa- jo- Josh McDaniels is a dying breed in this sport where just I I have it in my head how this offense is supposed to look. Why can't you guys do that? Why can't you guys do exactly how this offense, I'm the offensive genius, why can't you guys go make this look like how it's supposed to look? And Nick Sirianni wasn't that heavy-handed, but you did see with Nick Sirianni, to me he's a cartoon character. He's a caricature. Nick Sirianni's a great guy to have on your team when you're winning, when you're going to the Super Bowl like they did last year, when they were 10-1 and to start the year, because that man does not need a bullhorn. He will get on top of a mountain and shout to everybody how good the Eagles are. But right. there was no point in the, where you even got the sense that they even had a clue about how to fix this. They just sunk to the bottom of the ocean, and they never figured out a way to try to to try to slow it down, to try to plug the holes. I, I mean, I appreciate when coaches are blunt because it's as relatable as people within professional sports will ever be to the rest of us. But Nick Sirianni was not shy about going up to the podium and pressers and saying, if I knew how to fix this, I would have done it already. He did say that. He did. I mean, he, he actually he did, did say, say that. that. He did say that. <laughs> yep. He actually, I mean, he actually did say that. So, they're all, so I, I mean, I it it does seem like we're or you're 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 seeing some of the teams. It's it's one of those things where it's hard to put your finger on when we're, when we're watching it happen in real time. But it just it seems like we're heading to a place where five years from now we're going to be looking back on this and talking about a new generation of coaches in the NFL. Where I mean, you take Antonio Pierce, and I would put Jim Harbaugh in the same category as well. I mean, we talked to, to Zach a little bit about both those guys because I mean, played for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, now <coughs> playing for Antonio Pierce with the Raiders, and you hear these guys, you hear the phrase "players coach" all the time. And there might be some element to that of, of a guy like Nick Sirianni being a players coach. I mean, I'm sure he's a, a fun dude to hang out with, but part of part of being a players coach is also just being able to to relate to these guys, and there was something that just went 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 sour in that Eagles locker room that nobody that at the very least, if, if you're starting to lose games, if if things are if things aren't going the way you want it to on the football field, 
ideally what you want to have to fall back on is okay. Let's hit the reset button. There, there's something in here. Like we need to talk. Like we need to figure out what it is that's not resonating with these guys. Why we're not getting the best out of them all the, as much as we need to. And that's, I mean, that that should be a trait that you would want in head coaches all the time, anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think what's happening is that that divide is growing more and more, where you're seeing the guys that you really think can be good head coaches, and then you surround them with the best coordinators, the best advisors possible, but that is the face of your franchise, and he's a guy that players will give their best for every time. Clearly, that was not happening in Philadelphia. It makes you wonder what did happen, and it leads me to the words of a famous NBA coach. It's internal. Uh, but kinda, I mean, pretty pretty much. It, it seems like it is internal. That's why we don't know. But something went from a team that seemed to have all the momentum in the NFC to a team that struggled to get past the finish line across the playoffs, and then eh, they kind of laid an egg. And it really comes back on the head coach where uh, there are times when it really is anybody's guess if we're not inside the organization on this and have no idea what's actually going on, where it might be a combination. It might be the coach. It might be the GM. It might be the owner. It might be this, that, and everybody else. You're getting... Uh, they're, they're giving you every opportunity to go win these games. At any t- if, As soon as a player becomes available... Who's the team that's been signing every free agent as soon as they hit the market the last two years? That team. 49ers? No, the Eagles. Ah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. There there are other teams that you can point to. Yeah, the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey. We were just talking about the 49ers, uh, you know, rebuilding with guys that they need a couple of days ago. So that's why I said, damn, they were at the top of my list. But, yeah, you're right about the Eagles. As far as quantity goes at the at the very least yes okay there you go yeah as far as yeah. quantity goes yeah quantity goes they were getting a lot it don't i don't know sam football is such a weird game where you get that uh you know as they say mono mono game and you go head to head against the competition and you take that one hit and it's like ooh, i don't want to get hit by like that again it almost seemed like the eagles as a team laid back uh, you know, the last few games. And they didn't seem like the aggressive Eagles that they were earlier in the season. It didn't even seem like the same team. And that's what's making me scratch my head. What happened to this team? Something major happened. Well, what happened was that they couldn't nobody fix knows it. about. Well, and they couldn't fix it, but what was it? You always talk about the it factor. What was it? What happened to this team to make this team go from one of the top teams in the league to falling apart right in front of our eyes? And and that's that's the question. I I mean, I, I don't get big relatable vibes from Nick Sirianni. Like I don't know the man, so I'm not going to sit here in a microphone at two thousand miles away and call him a phony. But from the very beginning of the introductory presser and how clunky that was, and you know we're gonna we're gonna study hard and we're gonna watch film hard and we're gonna walk through practice hard and we're gonna do all you know I, I mean just the the hard and the coach cliches and that's all fine that that's all fine and good when you're winning games because winning 
clears up everything. But, I mean, I guess what happened is it's a classic example of when everything, when you're winning, you hear people say all the time, winning is the cure-all in, in sports. You can sweep whatever's going on with your team, you just sweep it under the rug and you pretend it's not there and you don't look at it because we're winning and I don't want to even deal with the bad juju. We're just going to sweep it under the rug. You start losing, there's no more room under that under that rug. That rug starts tearing open and all the dirt <laughs> right. starts spilling out over the floor. Right. No, it does. And now you and now now you're just stuck with a dirty floor with no idea how to how to clean it up. No, you're 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 exactly right on that. But still, uh, losing thirty-two to nine to the Buccaneers, where Baker Mayfield goes off, uh, it makes me think. Well, something happened with the defense. Well, it there. had already been spoken into the universe. It, 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 as soon as the Week eighteen game against the Giants ended. It was already being spoken into the universe that they had no chance in that game, and that's exactly no, how it played no, out. I, I, and, and it still surprised me because you and I and R.J. Lees talked about that at length. Joe got into it as well. And I'm thinking, you know, yeah, it, it seems like fun talk. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I ended up losing that bet uh, because I thought that they were going to turn on the gas and be what they were at the beginning of the year in the playoffs, and they were horrific. I mean, I look at the Chiefs. You can say Andy Reid. You could talk about him as a coach all you want. The bottom line is the last game that they played, their quarterback and their tight end had games like they normally do in big-time situations. They stepped up, and nobody seemed to step up for the Eagles. That's why the Chiefs are where they are at, and that's why the Eagles are making people scratch their heads. And this isn't to to pick on the Eagles, because I mean, look, we got no room to talk around here as far as falling flat on your face. At the I end, have no expertise at, at the end of a season. Well, that too, and also just you know talking about falling flat on your face at the end of the season. Oh, I know, I know. But there, the, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year, the team that started ten and one. That team was in there somewhere. They lost their way, and the head coach wasn't able to get it back. And I think teams are going to start looking more at: Do we? Ha- is our guy the guy that that can do that? That can get that 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 can get that best version out of the team? There, it's in there somewhere. Right in the scenario where we start losing games, do we have the guy that's going to be able to find that? And I think Antonio Pierce is that guy, and I think Jim Harbaugh is that guy. Both of those guys. Um, part of me is surprised because of all the rumors of Antonio Pierce staying where he is, but part of me is not surprised because of what he has done and what he potentially can do. So I think that's good there. But Well, that has, you know, it, it has to feel so validating for him as soon as the report comes out that Antonio Pierce interviewed with the Tennessee Titans. Oh. Okay, we got to re-sign him now. Now, now it's clear that other teams want him as a head coach. Now we got to keep him, and that tells you about what the Raiders think of him, because most owners, if they were thinking about letting their coach go or thinking about firing their coach, their coach goes to another team. Hey, uh, best of luck to you. They didn't do that. He's Scott Galetti. I'm Sam Hauser's Team Talk ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. We still got the 
Cowboys report to get to or, or from our friends at the Bourbon House and something else that we still have to get to. We're going to come back to this here in about 15 minutes. <laughs> One of our favorite people on planet Earth <laughs> went viral again last night. It's Team Talk ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. There's never been a better time to buy a new ride than right now at Happy Days Motor Company. Over 100 clean vehicles in stock, many priced under $10,000. Good credit, bad credit, no credit, they have a credit solution for you. They have a sales staff with over 100 years of experience to help you find a vehicle to fit your lifestyle and your budget. Happy Days Motor Company, corner of San Mateo and Constitution, two stoplights south of I-40, where Happy Days is more than just a name. Stuck in a state of falling behind? Struggling to keep up with your kids, your finances, your insurance, your life? Then let State Farm agent Art Sandoval help you simplify and get to a better state. Because with Art handling your auto, home, and life insurance, you'll have more time to handle everything else. More money, too. Because adding State Farm policies can earn discounts that could add up to 40% and actually help you get ahead. Call State Farm agent Art Sandoval at 338-0300 today and get to a better state with State Farm. No borders, no boundaries. War with over 50 years of hits. No rider is a little higher. Friday, March 8th at his Letter Resort Casino Showroom. Take a little trip with the Grammy winners and hear war like never before. Tickets on sale now at the Isleta Casino Box Office and at Isleta.com. Don't miss War. Presented by the Isleta Resort and Casino. When you think biggest names in sports, think 101.7 The Team. From the Dodgers. Gone, a home run. Yankees. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. Cowboys. Sack. Demarcus Lawrence. Boom, hello. Notre Dame. Touchdown, Notre Dame. The Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are champions. Plus the NFL, college football playoff, World Series, and the NBA Finals. The biggest names in sports live on 101.7 The Team. It's frustrating. You trusted your home or business security in a company that promised an armed response. Two corporate takeovers later, your security is in the hands of a business from Texas. I'm Aaron Jones, owner of International Protective Service, IPS. I'm from here. I'm passionate about making Albuquerque a safer place to live and work by watching your home or business with highly trained armed guards or 24-hour patrols. I'm committed to our city and to your protection. Call 897-2420 or go to IPSglobal.com. Find your element at Ski Apache. Get ready to hit the slopes with three stay and ski packages. Starting at just $5.99, experience epic skiing, boarding, ziplining, and New Mexico's only eight-passenger gondola. Details at SkiApache.com. SkiApache.com. You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Yeah. I wanna rock you up, rock you up, rock you up. Sam, how's it Scott Galetti, ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Appreciate you hanging out with us here, as always, taking you up until 7 o'clock tonight. It's time for our daily Dallas Cowboys update, sponsored by our friends at the Bourbon House. Remember, get out there for conference championship weekend in the NFL. Lobo basketball tomorrow night, 9 o'clock against San Jose State. All your NBA hoops going on tonight, every night. 
everything. It's on there at the Bourbon House, conveniently located at Eubank and Montgomery. Over 100 bourbons and whiskeys on tap. Great craft cocktail menu. Great food specials. Clean, family-friendly until 8 o'clock. Bourbon House got it all going on down there at Eubank and Montgomery. Can I say something to that, Sam? Please. One word. Wings. Is that they right? They good burgers, too, but their wings are awesome. Well, I mean, well, coming from you. I like chicken. That says something. It does. The biggest name to watch... Uh, this is such a jumbled mess right now with the Cowboys while we wait to figure out what their next moves are going to look like. Just what degree of all-in they're going to be in 2024. Who's coming back? Who's not? Who? How many people are on the final years of their contracts with no extensions coming? This is going to be as, as wild a ride as we've had with this team in some time. But the, the one to me, Scott, that I look at as far as the first domino to fall that's really going to clear up this picture of whether or not this is going to be a lame duck season or where the Cowboys might actually try to use this to galvanize the team. The name for me that I'm that I'm going to be watching to start all this is Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard was not as mu- nearly as much a focal point of the offense as any of us wanted to, him to be. He in, was a disappointment including because we coach. thought he was going to be a lot better than he was. Well, because the head coach becomes the play caller and he took over the play co- uh, play calling duties from Kellen Moore because I want to run the damn ball. And yeah, well, I want to go hang out on Dan Snyder's yacht for a week. I mean, the whole the, the whole idea was to try to establish the run to, I mean, to, to kind of... Ideally, I think the way that the Cowboys' offense ideally would have looked this year, and the offense was not the problem by any means in the season, it's it's almost difficult to poke holes too much in the offense because of what they did week in, week out over the course of the season. But I think in Mike McCarthy's head, the way that he wanted this offense to look was pretty similar to, what, to the Lions, to what the mm-hmm. Lions' offense has been this year, where you're using the run to set up Dak and... What Dak did, I know people like people like to hate Dak. There, there is no middle ground on Dak. You either want to stand in front of him, in front of a, a group of people with pitchforks, or you want to be one of those people with pitchforks. I've never understood that, but you are absolutely correct on that. But what Dak did with the lack of a run game actually makes his what he did this year even more impressive. But I think ideally that's what this was supposed to look like was what you're seeing with the Lions where they use Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery sparingly. Like, you look at the numbers in the divisional round game against Tampa, it's not like they were run heavy. If anything, it was kind of the opposite, but they picked their spots exactly when to run, and that opens things up for Jared Goff. But getting back to Tony Pollard as far as how it relates to the future for the Cowboys... They put this franchise tag on him this season. He had his guaranteed $11 million in change. And really, at this point now, I mean, the Cowboys aren't going to give Tony Pollard a contract because if they were going to do that, they would have last offseason instead of giving him the franchise tag. So this goes one of two ways. If the Cowboys give him the franchise tag again, then we can start to put the pieces together of, okay, maybe, maybe we actually are going to try to do one season for our lives. As this drags out, as it stands right this very second, actually, you're starting running back. I mean, your running back room is 
Rico Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn. Right. That's your running back room right now. And if the further this drags out, if a, a, a team could sign Tony Pollard away from the Cowboys if they wanted to. And they can sign someone too, Sam. So I mean, they, that's they, what I'm wondering. They, they could. But, th- but they're not committed to that position. No. Everything that they've shown us is that they're not committed to that position in any kind of long-term basis because of the generalities. Or maybe they're just not committed to Tony Pollard long-term. They had a guy by the name of Zeke who was there a long time. Yeah. He, uh, Tony Pollard's not getting the same kind of uh, long-term love, it seems. Yeah, and they squeezed every ounce they could out of Zeke under the contract that they gave him and then moved on and then did the same thing with Tony Pollard under under the franchise tag. And, and they got squeezed on that. So what I'm saying is, Tony Pollard is the name to watch. If he comes back, if he's on another franchise tag, maybe things start to settle down. But as this drags on, and with every passing day, Rico Dowdle is your running back one going into next year, then you're heading towards the side of lame duck. Because there's only two ways this goes. Lame duck season or... Galv- or trying to galvanize the team with show me something and show me that we can kind of keep this train rolling. Those are the only two ways this goes. And I look at Tony Pollard as kind of the first domino to fall towards which direction the Cowboys are going. As we get closer, June 1st is a big day on the calendar for them in the offseason because that's when some of the that's when some of the money starts to shift as far as how much you can save on the salary cap by letting guys go if you wait after June 1st. So the next th- the next four and a half months, I mean, that's a lot of time to pass between now and then. But I just look at Tony Pollard as the first domino because not, uh, not, not a whole lot is going to happen as far as some big-time decision-making. But just in trying to figure out what their mindset is and what game they're playing with... Mike McCarthy not having a contract extension. Dak, CD, Micah Parsons not having contract extensions. What is this game? Where are we going? And to me, he to, to me, Tony Pollard is the first domino to fall to kind of give us a sense of what game they're playing. And Tony Pollard, the biggest question that I have, Sam, was he utilized correctly? You mentioned Kellen no. Moore. No. Does Kellen Moore have a chance to be the offensive coordinator still? If, uh, you know, they make the uh, coaching change that they're talking about with Jim Harbaugh. Does he still have a chance to be the OC with the Chargers? Yeah. Well, I what, what, I, probably not, but because I, I can see that being a good combination. Yeah, it, I mean, it potentially could be Kellen. Kellen Moore's. I, I mean, you you can see where the ceiling is. For Kellen Moore, and you can see that he's got it in him to be a creative play caller. There's he some... needs the right guys to be part of the play. Yeah, had the Justin problem. Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert, and the most versatile running back in the end. One of the most versatile running backs. Yeah, but uh, Justin I mean, to... Herbert kind of had a uh, not a great season in my but mind. But to answer either. your question I'm a, about I'm Tony a big Pollard, Justin Herbert fan. To answer your question, uh, the short answer is no. Tony Pollard okay. is never supposed to be a between-the-tackles running back. You had Zeke as your between-the-tackles guy, and then you had Tony Pollard as your outside-the-tackles guy. Get him in space. So that's not Tony Pollard, then. they got to put him back to where he was successful and let him be Tony Pollard. 
He's best instead as, of recreating him and trying to make him do things yeah, he's not used he's to. He's best doing. as an RB two. He's best as your running back two as a complimentary running back. And and, and I don't. Or even, he's used to going to the outside, and not going straight up the middle, and having different plays run for him. I'm not even criticizing in hindsight about the decision to to give him the chance to be your starting running back. I, it, was, it was the right call. But we're going to talk about something that happened today in another sport where a very successful coach was fired because he wasn't putting guys in the best chance to in the best chance in the best place for them to be successful, I should say. Where yeah, I I mean Tony uh, to, Tony can handle the amount of carries that your starting running back is going to get in a game, but there would there, there just wasn't enough help there where the play calling was too predictable and you can kind of tell when the Cowboys are, are going to run, when they're going to throw. He's not an up-the-middle guy. The run blocking was atrocious for most of the season. Right. So there's a lot bigger problems. Like, like I, 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 like th- that's what's so fascinating about all this, is we're, we're going to hyper-focus on certain players, and it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having in the last segment about these co- some of these coaches that get it and some that don't, and I'm not even sitting here saying Mike McCarthy doesn't get it, but this was an entire season of just that there were too many times when you're not putting guys in the best position to be successful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see what they – well, I, I kind of can't wait because I'm afraid of what might happen, but, you know, hopefully – Good things do happen. They surprise us, Sam. I am, uh, of uh, of all the seasons that I was actually excited about turning the corner, it just came to pass. And now you got next season, which seems like there's more questions than answers, and that scares me. Because you got a team that's really good at making life unnecessarily difficult <laughs> for itself. It's my team. Yeah, well, and that's the place that this starts. I mean, we're we're gonna keep going back to that until un, until something actually changes. But that's the essence of it is just making life more difficult for yourself than it needs to be. That's 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 your that, that's your daily Dallas Cowboys update, sponsored by our friends at the Bourbon House, conveniently located at Eubank and Montgomery, family friendly until eight o'clock. Make your plans to get out there for a conference championship weekend in the NFL and all the big games that are on. And, of course, the big game here in a few weeks. Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I am going to put this out there definitively as well. And and this isn't about, this isn't about taking sides. This isn't about are you team Dak or are you team anti-Dak. But he, the Cowboys do need to. The Cowboys should extend him. I don't, I'm not gonna say need to. They don't need to do anything. But I would extend him. Real quickly, if you don't extend him and you don't extend other guys, the old saying: players have a tendency to have that contract year. Do you think maybe that's what they're hoping for? I mean, can you actually expect that if you're a coach? Or a general manager or an owner. Hey, you know, players usually play uh, lights out during contract years. That's what we're going to get out of six guys. It's uh, <sighs> Just keep them that way. I'm, I'm putting that out there because no, and I you, get you've heard that in the past. Yeah, no. Wow, he had a contract year, gets a big contract, and he's a dud. 
Maybe they're maybe they're hoping that it's the opposite. Hey, they're all going to have contract years, and they're going to get where we where we want to go. Finally, if you're a Cowboys fan, and I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a firm believer. There's a lot of examples you can point to in contract years, and you get the best out of guys. But DeAndre, this is a lot of guys. DeAndre Ayton is probably <laughs> the most prevalent guys. example in the last few years. But this is, I mean, the the Cowboys' problem isn't contract year stuff. This isn't guys that are underperforming. The regular season numbers are everything that you could possibly hope for. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, there's an, uh, there's an argument for CeeDee Lamb. He was the best receiver in the NFL this year. Dak had MVP numbers and was in the discussion going into the final weeks of the regular season. It all, Which is why he deserves a contract. It all contract. comes down. Well, he, he deserves a contract because hopefully... This has been the case for a long time, and we've been trying to tell you that anyway. Hopefully, the Green Bay game put it on display that when the Cowboys lose games, yeah, he was not good enough. Nobody's going to argue that, but he is so far down the list of reasons why they lose these games, why they lost the way that they did to Buffalo, to San Fran, to to Green Bay. It's a, It's an entire team issue, not just a him issue. But this isn't a contract year thing where you where you're trying to get the best out of somebody in the traditional sense. This is just what is the what what is the issue? You know, we're talking about what what is that it? What is it when we get to the playoffs? This right. isn't a contract thing of of guys are underperforming. They just hit a wall when the playoffs show up. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, contract year stuff's really going to fix that. No, but he did have a contract year, so to speak, to deserve a contract. So, I, it, so to say that for you, uh, what you just said is uh, makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, having him as a lame duck probably the wrong guy. And it, it may not necessarily be the most glowing, uh, the, the most glowing endorsement of somebody to say he's not the reason you lost games. But that was only when uh, uh, when. When the Cowboys, when the Cowboys were losing, I, I mean, as far as putting up the MVP, uh, it, it wasn't even just the numbers; it was the level of football that he was playing for most of the year. Right. But this is all still there, there's this is all just still a giant rubber band ball to unravel that we'll be doing over the next few months here as we go through the off season, leading up to the draft, and here we go again when next fall comes around. 